how do we explain great players? And what can we discover when we ask questions like, how do PGA Tour players become PGA Tour players? You'll probably hear about their swings, how amazing their short games are, how good their putting stats are, how they can think their way around a golf course. Then you might hear someone chime in and say something about the ecological dynamic model. And everyone goes, oh yeah, that's it. Well, maybe not. That's why we're going to talk about it. There's two two theories to motor learning, or, or two frameworks to motor learning, and uh, one's the cognitive side, and the other is where I sit is the ecological dynamics side, and it's based on Newell's constraints. Welcome to the Golf Science Lab, a place for you to learn what's truly going on in the world of golf science, while bringing you the insights so that you can learn to improve. If you want to learn more and get all the resources, papers, and updates in this first season of the Golf Science Lab, head over to golfsciencelab.com and get on the insider email list. And you'll get access to some awesome exclusive content you're not going to want to miss out on as we dive into the first season on motor learning. Today, we're diving deeper and we're talking about the ecological dynamic model. Not familiar with it? Well, neither was I. But after today's show, you'll not only understand what it is, but how it applies to your game. And we'll have our same guest back for the next episode talking about a constraint-based approach, which is a direct application of this. So far in this episode, you've heard from Peter Arnott. My name's Peter Arnott. Basically, I'm a full-time golf teaching professional at Craig Miller Park Golf Club in Edinburgh, working under Scott Gurley Technology. Uh, and I'm currently studying a part-time master's by research and skill acquisition. And he does things a little differently than a lot of teaching professionals out there. What I'm studying is uh, representative task design. So, so basically, try to create practice environments that, that closely couple per- to performance so there's a greater transfer to the actual performance environment. So what you see a lot in golf is is a, a performance environment that is just, or sorry, a, a practice environment that is just so far removed from the actual game. And then the transfer to the actual game is terrible. And so it's basically trying to create an environment that's very closely coupled to, a practice environment that's very closely coupled to the performance environment. So that's out there uh, on representative task design that's what i'm studying in golf uh, so it's a master's by research i'm doing in golf uh, and i'm i'm basically studying or uh, interviewing european tour players on the representativeness of of playing on the european tour and hopefully that can inform talent development on how to create a learning environment for that so let's figure out how this model is different from the traditional approach First, we'll talk about exactly what that traditional model is, and then we'll define and give some examples of the ecological dynamic model. If I was to explain it as simply as I possibly could on that, then would be that um, kind of traditionally, uh, motor skill acquisition was probably aligned to what you would call the uh, information processing approach, which is... um, also described as the uh, com- computer metaphor, and that is the, the kind of belief that the brain is works somewhat like a works somewhat like a c- 
computer that uh, has to be programmed first of all, and then once it's programmed appropriately, uh, you can send it out into the world and uh, you know it can send out in the world to try and find a problem to apply all the solutions that you've programmed it with, much in the same way as a as a, as a computer in, in in that sense. Um, and you know that that would typically be called the sort of co- computer metaphor. And that voice is our second guest, Graham McDowell. Hi, I'm uh, Graham McDowell, and um, I'm a full-time lecturer in the area of sports coaching, and I'm um, also a qualified golf professional, PGA professional, member of the, the PGA of Great Britain. And yeah, my, my position is a full-time, full-time lecturer. I'm also a PhD researcher in the area of skill acquisition, so I'm uh, conducting research in that area at the moment alongside my, uh, my, my role as a lecturer. Graham and Peter are big proponents of this different model, ecological dynamic model. So the other side of that is what we, we, you would call, we would call the ecological dynamics approach. And uh, that's a merging of the theoretical fields of ecological psychology and dynamical systems theory. Um, so so diff, just very, very br- briefly on that, then ecological, Ecological psychology is is really the study of how organisms act in their environment. Okay, so how they how they adapt and how they uh, become functional in their environments. Again, okay, one of the key concepts uh, of that is because we're able to directly perceive our environment, then we're able to scale a movement solution to it. Okay, so it, it reverses the paradigm. It says that first of all, you've got to find a problem. And come up and and come up with a solution. So if you if you remember, I said that the old approach was start off with um, programming the organism full of solutions, send it out look for a pro a problem. Well, the ecological dynamics approach is um, don't don't give the organism any solutions. Just give it appropriate problems, okay, and let the organism come up with the solutions. All right. Now b- because we you know we're 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 all different and int- intrinsically uh, you know different in the sense that we're unique we act with uh, creativity and novelty and you see all these guys in the PGA tour with different movement patterns yeah but they're effectively all doing the same thing and that is behaving functionally in the environment so they've come up with their own unique solution to a problem Dynamical systems theory is just really about, it comes from mathematics, it it talks in a somewhat mathematical language, but it it really is just the study of how uh, systems change as a function of time, Uh, how they change and and why they change. Uh, If you think about the human organism as an open system, that any time it interacts with its environment, it is changed by that interaction. Okay, you can't help that. That's not something that you're in control of. Uh, the human system is very smart. It has evolved to adapt to the demands of its environment. And uh, see, this is uh, the, the, these are uh, obviously empirically traceable uh, theories and facts that I'm putting down. We, we, you know, we, could, we could present a lot of literature to support these uh, notions. We just need to provide it with a uh, an appropriate environment and an appropriate level of development. And the organism is capable of working a whole whole load of things out. And you'll have heard of uh, you know, terms such as self-organization. So that's a lot of definitions. But this is very practical and very realistic. It's a story that you've heard before, but without this definition, you 
probably wouldn't have been able to recognize it. But with this framing, you'll see how this works. One of my favorite examples, if we take it from uh, like of the, uh, the PGA Tour, for example, and one of my favorite stories on this, I would say, relates very much to this paradigm. And, and to be honest, once you go into the studies of tour players, PGA Tour players and you know, some colleagues may have done studies into this, and, and, it, and it aligns very, very strongly. And here's the one thing I would say, and I've done this myself, I've been in a room of golf pros and asked them how they got good at the game. Okay, and, uh, and and they always start off by saying, uh, well, I, I was lucky. Typically, they, they say that. I was why, well, why were you lucky? I was lucky because I, I lived very close to a golf course and I was able to, I was able to play golf every day. Um, and, I, and I was lucky because my granddad played golf, for, you know, as an example here, and he gave me some clubs and we cut them down and I played golf every day. Um, and, and as I got better... I was able to uh, go and play with better players, and then I then I progressively got you know better, better again, and I was able to go and play at the better golf course in the area, and it was a championship course, and there was better players again, and so we have this emergent like these emergent examples of people growing their skill level uh, relative to their environments. So if you think what's in the environment there that I've just described, well, um, there, there's access to to good players and progressively better players. So as they got better, the level of competition got better, and uh, and the, the difficulty of the golf course got harder. So they, they grew their skill into the environment, and stimulating that growth was uh, harder competition and harder golf courses, uh, but luck and also opportunity to do that. Um, I have yet to find uh, an example of somebody who said to me, well, you know, I started golf and I, and I took myself off to the driving range. Yeah, and uh, you know, I got I, I got I got taught how to do all these things, and then I decided I'll go and I'll go and enter a golf tournament. No, nobody's ever said that. Heard something like that before? I know that I have. So is it luck? Is it just coincidence? I'm under the opinion that it's not. And after I had this conversation with Pete and Graham, I've started seeing this over and over again not only in golf, but other areas of sport and life. This framework really plays itself out in many examples. One of the great examples is from Podrick Harrington, when he talks about, uh, you know, what did you do when you were younger? What was your kind of practice habits? And he talks about playing vast amount of, um, doing vast amount of short game uh, stuff, for want of a better word. And he talks about there was a group of them who every day used to chip and putt for money. And... uh, Quite simply, if you couldn't hold a putt for money, you had to leave their group. Okay, because if you couldn't develop that competency, if your skill couldn't emerge to a high enough level, you'd have to leave the group because you couldn't afford to be part of his group. Okay, um, and they talk about never ever being concerned about what they did in terms of technique. That didn't care care less about you know, what kind of technique they had only that they knew how to get the ball in the hole. Okay, so and we, we talk about this sort of notion of um, form following function. I don't know if you've heard that, that term before, uh, before yeah. And, and that is just to say that typically when you go back and, and, and speak to good players, and it, and it rings true when you go and look at the PGA Tour and you see all of these golf swings and grips and techniques that don't seem to be a... You, you wouldn't necessarily start out by coaching somebody these techniques. And what you've seen, what you're seeing there is people who have learned to do something, 
So that's function. Okay, and the forum, the technique, has just followed that. That I've learned to get the ball in the hole, and this is the way I get the ball in the hole. Okay, and my technique is just emerged around that. And it doesn't look necessarily uh, particularly standard. It doesn't even always look optimal. But it gives you an example of the notion of uh, forum, physical forum, in terms of you know the aesthetic of the swing, how it, how it looks, coming after function, and function being, well, I don't know how I do this, but I'm going to get this ball in the hole. I'm going to get this ball in the hole, you know, nice shots in you because that's the demands that the environment's placing on me. And that's what Harrington's describing there. He's saying that the environment was such growing up that if you couldn't learn to hold putts for money, then you had to leave our group. Okay, so you see that, that sort of example there of skill being emergent. Um, you know, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't concentrate on the, the, the technique. They just figured out a way of getting that ball in the hole because they had to because of the constraints that were part of the environment. I think this is one of the most important definitions you'll hear when listening to the Golf Science Lab. Your environment really makes the world of difference. There's a great uh, quote that he has, you can't adapt to an environment you don't exist in. So if you, if you create a nice, comfortable environment for yourself in the practice environment, you'll adapt to that, you'll, you'll, you'll self-organize to that. Although it just seems to happen randomly, accidentally, there's definitely some specific reasons behind it. And perhaps we can discover that far more than technique or any physical traits, that it's the environment that one has is one of the biggest determinants of success or lack of in players. I'm excited to check back in with Peter as he's currently working on a related study to this that we'll definitely hear more about. My study is called the Task, Environment and Organismic uh, Constraints Impinging on European Tour Players. So basically finding out what's happening on tour. So if I give you an example, I had a, a, a journeyman pro in my first year of coaching who had come through uh, talent development, you know, like I suppose in, in America, like a co- collegiate kind of uh, system, and everything was done for him. Like, I mean, everything. He just had to turn up when he was an amateur, very high-level amateur, when he, he just had to turn up at the airport. However, when he turned pro, all that was taken away from him. And it, it threw him into kind of chaos, and he had no structure to, to his kind of life. And as well, when he was playing amateur tournaments, he was his schedule because he was the top of the pile. His schedule was he could dictate his schedule. Right when he turned pro, he was more down the bottom of the pile, and he had to play fifteen tournaments in a row, and he wasn't used to it. He was, if that makes sense, just little snippets like that that you could you could inform the training environment if you're trying to train players to be European Tour players or or PG Tour players you know a bit, little bit more chaos involved and uh, basically teaching them how to book flights and <laughs> and and manage themselves instead of doing everything for them thank you so much Peter Arnott and Graham McDowell for sharing with us both of them will be back next week to talk about a constraint based coaching method get early access to that and reminders make sure to go to golfsciencelab.com backslash insider get on the email list get into the golf science lab community you can follow peter 
at SGGT Coaching on Twitter, at Graham McDowell, G-R-A-E-M-E-M-C-D-O-W-A-L-L, at Graham McDowell on Twitter. Make sure to head over to Golf Science Lab to check out the show notes and to stay up to date on what we're documenting in golf science. This episode is hosted and written by me, Cordy Walker. You can follow me on Twitter at Cordy Walker. It was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Published Productions. And we'll see you all next time on the Golf Science Lab.